12 and then 31 through 32. Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, that you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, verse 17, sanctify them. That is, he was speaking of his disciples by your truth. Your word is truth. Everybody say that. Your word is truth. And finally, John chapter 1, verse 4. In Jesus, in him, in Jesus, the word was life. And the life was the light of men. Father, we uh, just praise and thank you for your word. And Lord, this is the light that we have been talking about for the last several weeks. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd minister to our hearts and help us to come to you as the light, Lord, which is exemplified by your word. And that light will illuminate us, Lord, and give us life. And uh, thank you for anointing this message. And give us all ears to hear what your spirit would say to this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so recently we've been looking at praise as a weapon to defeat the enemies in our lives. We're going to focus especially on the devil himself today. And uh, the theme verse for this series has been, Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. Psalm 149, verse 6. And we've been focusing on what I term to be adoration, where we praise God for who and what He is. And to do this, I've been going through these different attributes of God. God is love. God is holy. God is just. God is faithful. And recently, God is true. His truthfulness. Let God be true, even though every man is a liar, as we're going to see today. Uh, and also, we're going to look at God as immutable, maybe next week. What's immutable? His immutability. Well, that's just a fancy word for saying that he does not change. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says, I am the Lord God, I change not. Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. That would be contrary to his nature. His eternity, God is an eternal being. And even though we are finite in that we had a beginning, 
we are going to be eternal also. And we can choose where we want to spend our eternity. Hallelujah. And then, of course, those omni, I can hardly wait to get on those, those omni attributes, omnipresent, God is everywhere present, God is omniscient, He is all-knowing, and He is omnipotent, He is all-powerful. Okay, so, so far we've looked at four of those attributes in depth, God is love, God is holy, God is just, and God is faithful. And recently we've been looking at uh, those last messages. God is true, so he is light and truth. And I'm going to finish this mini-series on God is light and truth today. So that fifth attribute that we've looked for is is God is light and truth. And I've combined those two, light and truth, because they are interrelated. We've seen how uh, light, as opposed to darkness, is one of the favorite themes, not only in the epistle of John, but also in the gospel. The scriptures that I've used so far is... Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and goes all the way through chapter 2, verse 2. You've got a light again, as opposed to darkness. It's a study in contrast. Remember, I pointed that out. Verse 5 is God is light, and then and that, and opposing that is darkness. It goes light, dark, light, dark, and then through the end of the chapter and even into chapter 2. And the key verse on there is just the first half of the that first verse, John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And the relate, we also looked at the relationship between light and truth as seen in Jesus' I am the light of the world message. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life in him. And then halfway through that message, you read verse 32, and you shall know the truth, you shall know the truth, you shall experience the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And we're going to be looking at that chapter in depth today. Now, I mentioned in weeks uh, two and three of this series that there are two more links in that chain. You know, light and truth. The third link is the Word of God. Jesus uh, prayed in his uh, Upper Room Discourse, John chapter 13 through 17. He said, sanctify them. He, he was praying to his Father, and he asked his Father to sanctify them, that is, the disciples, by your truth. And then he said, your word is truth. So God does not leave us hanging. Amen? He doesn't talk about truth without telling us what the truth is. And he has to have some method of conveying that truth to us. And that is through his word. We mentioned that there are three kinds of words spoken in uh, scripture. There's the living word. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word in that verse? Jesus. Jesus was, is the living Word. He not only preached to us and explained to us spiritual principles, but also by the very life that He lived. And that life reached its full expression when He showed us that God is love and God is just. And I mentioned before that there's a perfect balance that, you know, the Jesus' death on the cross for our sins was a perfect balance between his love for us and his justice toward us. He poured out his justice that we so richly deserve upon his son there on the cross in our place. And now all we have to do is to accept that and to begin to learn to walk with him because he has broken down that wall of sin between that was separating us. There's also the spoken word, which I'm doing today, and also the teaching. And finally, you have the written word. And I've mentioned before how thankful we must be that in this day and age that we have the written word. Because so many people throughout human history and even the first uh, 14 centuries of the Christian church, they didn't have the written word. So we need to be thankful for it and to use it. And, you know, don't just leave your Bibles sitting on your shelf. Open them up. Don't just depend on me preaching the Word of God to you. You need to feed yourself. I don't want you to remain as just little children forever. I want you to dig down and begin to feed yourself from the Word of God. And we should be doing that on a daily basis. Amen? Okay. And last week we looked at the fourth and final link in the chain, which is what the first three links bring, and that is life. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I told you before about the, that sermon I once preached, the words of life and the words of death. The word of God brings life. But if you listen to the lies of the enemy, that brings forth death. So you have the choice of which one you want. John chapter 1 verse 4, after we find out that the word was God in John 1 1, then you also have in verse 4 of John chapter 1, in him, that is Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. So there, those first three links there, God's light, God's truth, and God's word bring forth life to us. And when you come to the Lord and bask in his truth as written in his word, then you have life. And that's what we want. Amen? What did I tell you about life too? Life is union. Spiritual life. 
We have physical life, but one day that physical life will end. But if you have spiritual life, you will live forever. Your soul is in tune with God and your spirit are in tune with God. Life is union. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, we saw that Jesus is the light of the world. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Sorry about that. I'm a slide behind here. Okay. So this is the beginning at first John chapter 8, verse 12 of the uh, I am the light of the world sermon, which Jesus preached, which was actually more of a dialogue between him and the disbelieving uh, Jews, and actually degenerated into an argument. In the middle of that, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, uh, 32 So once again, we see the relationship between light and truth. Light is symbolic of the truth. And I've mentioned, knowing here is an experiential knowledge. So when Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, he was saying, you will experience the truth. And since Jesus is the truth, this speaks to us of knowing him in a personal way relationship. Now there were people that were unbelievers that heard this light of the world sermon and they included the Pharisees. It says no and and no sooner were those words out of his mouth that I am the light of the world than the Pharisees immediately contradicted him. In the following verse John 8 verse 13 The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not valid. In other words, you're just you that are saying that. That's not valid. You know, we need somebody to corroborate that. And this would uh, begin the back and forth argument between Jesus and mostly the Pharisees, but also the uh, scribes were also there. If you read earlier in the chapter, the story of the woman, uh, woman that was taken in adultery, you know, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, it says it wasn't just the Pharisees that brought the woman to him, it was also the scribes. And this argument got rather heated at time, times, and it would ultimately end up with them trying to stone him. And you read about that at the end of the chapter, John 8, uh, verse 59. But he was able to escape from them at that point. Now, some of the highlights of this back and forth dialogue between him. And by the way, you know, I don't have time to go through the entire chapter. There's something like uh, uh, 45 or 46 verses that are uh, follow uh, Jesus' statement about being the light of the world. So I don't have time to go through that. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights of it. First of all, Jesus not only reveals his deity... In this sermon, I am the light of the world. And remember the correlation. 
God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. So Jesus is the light too. It not only reveals his deity, but it also reveals that your salvation is contingent. It's dependent on whether you accept his deity or not. Down in verse 24 of John chapter 8. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now he said, well, you know, the text there reads, I am he. But one thing that you notice about this here is, uh, you see that? There's I am he. You notice that the he is in what? Well, it, it's, it's capital, but it's in italics. You know what that means? When you see a word in the italics, it means it's not in the original text. Jesus literally said that if you do not believe that I am, he invoked the divine title there. I am that I am. Thus you will tell them, I am has sent you. So he literally said, if you do not believe that I am, in other words, I am the eternal God, you will die in your sins. This is why the doctrine of the incarnation, God becoming human flesh, is so important, brothers and sisters. Because according to Jesus right there, if you don't believe in his deity, you will die in your sins. Very important. Now the Pharisees didn't understand what he said. You know, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sin. You are? You know, well, what, what are you? You know, and that's what they asked. They said to him, who are you? You know, John 8, 25. I think they had an inkling at that, this point that he was talking about his deity. Then there was another uh, verse, just a few uh, uh, verses down, verse 28. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, what's he talking about lifting up the Son of Man? What was he talking about? He was talking about him being lifted up. Just a few chapters earlier in John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever looks to him shall be saved. He was talking about his sin sacrifice. So he says, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am, once again, the divine title. There's no he in the original text. Uh, sorry. There's no, uh, I'm sorry, I got in the head here. Okay, uh, I am he. He is, again, in the italics, which means it's not in the original text. Okay, and th this, this happened too. You know, the centurion that was responsible for crucifying him, it says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, you know, when he saw the way that Jesus died and the big earthquake and the darkness upon the uh, face you know, of the earth at that point, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And finally, in John chapter 8, verse 58, many of you probably know this scripture. 
Jesus said to them, he was talking to the Pharisees, you know, he says, you know, your father Abraham saw me and rejoiced to uh, see my day. And they said to him, you're not even 50 years old, yet you say you have uh, seen Abraham. And then Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And this time, it, it doesn't have the I am he in the, in the uh, uh, scripture as you read it. I am. Before Abraham was, I am the eternal God. I've always existed. And this is what really led to the attempted stoning right there. Now later on it happened also in uh, John chapter 10. And they took up stones because he said, I and my father are one. They took up stones to stone him. And Jesus said, many good works have I done uh, you know, among you. For which of these do you stone me? And they said, for a, a good work we stone you not but for blasphemy, because you, being a mortal man, claim to be equal with God, claim to be the Almighty God. They're stoning him for blasphemy. So John eight fifty eight. that was the reason why in 50, verse 59, they picked up stones to stone him, because they thought he was blaspheming, because he said that he was the eternal God. Okay, another highlight here. Jesus continually speaks of his father as a witness to his life and ministry. He said, you're bearing witness of yourself. Your witness is not valid. Because, in other words, because nobody's verifying that. And Jesus said, I have a uh, witness, and that is my father. And the Pharisees misunderstood him and thought he was talking about an earthly father. Verse uh, 19. Then they said to him, where is your father? Where's this father that you're talking about that's bearing witness of you? And later on, in John chapter 8, verse 41, they said, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now, why do they say that? We were not born of fornication. Well, it was common knowledge even back then that Joseph, you know, was Jesus' stepfather. He wasn't his real father. Instead, this rumor developed that Jesus was the bastard son of Mary and a Roman soldier named Pantera. In fact, if you read the Talmud, the Talmud is the holy book of the... Uh, uh, Jews today, and it's really the rabbinical tradition, and it even says that, that Jesus' earthly father was this Roman soldier named Pantera. And to me, this is a sign that when the devil makes up lies, he tries to make up the worst possible lie that there is, because, of course, the Romans were hated at that point. Roman soldiers, too, because they were the dominating force in the, uh, you know, the Holy Land at that time. So there was no possible worse uh, slander that they could throw at Jesus than to tell, say that his earthly father was a Roman soldier. 
And this is, you know, at this point, the Jews were losing the argument. And they, so they did what a lot of people do when they, uh, 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 they get into a situation of they're losing uh, the argument. What do they do? They start slinging mud. And they start attacking the person, not his particular viewpoint. Now this happens even today. The people on the left. What do they do? They say that... Uh, they start accusing people, you know, conservative people of... Uh, being a racist or sexist or homophobic, isn't that what they do? You know, you hear them, you know, they find out you're a conservative, oh, you're a racist, oh, you're a sexist, oh, you're a homophobe, something like that. And they attack personally. This is known in logic as an ad hominem uh, <clears throat> viewpoint. Verse 48 of... Uh, uh, John chapter 8, Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? What's a Samaritan? A Samaritan was a half-breed Jew. Not what they, the, uh, Jew, uh, the Samaritans were. They were half-breed Jews. So they said, they're saying in effect, because you've got this uh, Gentile far, uh, father that you're a half-breed Jew. That's exactly what it, it means right there. And again, you know, the devil lies to the maximum. You know, he will think of the worst possible lie to, or slander to pin on you as a Christian. You know, over there in, uh, uh, you know, the Muslim lands. You know what you are to them? You're an infidel. Because you don't believe in their God you know, Allah. So you're an infidel. You know. The Roman society would call the, the Christians uh, and the Jews also atheists because they didn't believe in the pantheist. Uh, you know, uh, or not pantheist, uh, um, polytheistic uh, viewpoint of that day. Okay. Now, the final highlight here and... I want everyone here to remember this verse because this verse is very important. John 8:44. Jesus in the height of this argument this going back and forth says, "You are of your father the devil." Why did he say that? Because they were putting their Beliefs, you know, they, they actually had, you know, the Pharisees actually had contempt for the common people. It says later on in John chapter, uh, I think it's 11, or maybe it's chapter 10, you know, they, they said the, these people, you know, these people that are uh, believing in him, you know, they are cursed. You know, they don't have the education. They, they were the elite. They were looking down to the common people. They said, these people are not educated. These people being uneducated are cursed. And Jesus 
railed against them for that mentality. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Do you ever wonder why the Jews wanted Jesus crucified? It's because he would make statements like this, that they would take umbrage. Continuing on there in verse 44, And the desires of your father, that is the devil, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And they fulfilled that. They murdered the very son of God. Because there is no truth in him. There is no truth in the devil. When he, that is the devil, speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. I've mentioned before... That means that whenever you lie, brothers and sisters, you're temporarily yielding control of your tongue to the devil. Think about it. This verse, brothers and sisters, this is why I want you to remember a John 8, 44. It's the revelation of the very nature of Satan. Later on in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus would say, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Another aspect of Satan's nature. And brothers and sisters, you've got an enemy in the devil. And when you have an enemy, you need to know what his very nature is. Amen? How many agree with me? Hallelujah. Now, it's interesting, the Greek word for true and truth is aletheia. And that, you know what it means? It means that which is real. How many of you want to believe what is real? How many of you want to believe what is unreal? Anybody? I don't want to believe what is unreal, what is not reality. So, is God true? Is God real? Amen? Does He really exist? I mean, if He doesn't exist, do you want to believe in Him? No. But He is real. So, we want to believe in Him. What about heaven? Does heaven really exist? Does hell really exist? You see what I'm talking about? You know, my dad once told me, you know, he was deathly afraid of hell. Stemmed from a dream that he had early, you know, when he was a, just a, a boy. And he woke up screaming and he never believed in hell after that. And he once told me, you know, I will not believe. Do you think that just... Uh, Wiped out hell, the fact that you don't believe in it? Believe me, if hell exists, it's a reality. And you want to believe what is real, don't you? And Jesus talked about hell more than any other, uh, you know, preacher in the Bible. So Jesus, to Jesus, hell was a very real place. What about the devil and his angels? Are they real? The Bible testifies that they are real. 
And remember what the Bible is. The Bible is the word of God and the word of God is truth. Now what about what God says and does? You know Romans chapter 3 verse uh, uh, 4 says this. The Apostle Paul wrote, Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may just be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Now, I used to always read that verse there, Romans 3, 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. And, you know, I puzzled about that. What, what does that even mean? You know, just because I'm pastor here and I've had a, a lot of uh, Christian education doesn't mean that I read through everything and, you know, understand every, everything on the surface. And I puzzled about that. So, you know, this past week, you know, when I was compiling this message, you know, I went into several other translations. And this is what I dug up here in the New Living Translation. It uh, translates that uh, uh, particular sentence. God is always true, even if every man lies. Is every man a liar? Anybody out there that has never lied? Raise up your hand. You raise up your hand, you better put it down because you just lied right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let God be true. Keep in mind that what this means is that God always gives you the true story. That's what it means in John chapter 1 verse 5. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. I love this. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began. You know to say that there's nothing that God cannot do is not 100% accurate. Because God cannot violate his own nature and for him to speak falsehood of any kind would do this very thing so to get the straight story don't you think we should go to him you know i i studied islam when i was in seminary i even read their holy book called the quran it's about the toughest read i've ever read in my life just haphazard, you know, and, you know, hard to understand what they're talking about. It's a compilation of all these revelations that their prophet received. And the thing is, you know, 
early in their prophet's ministry, he's much more conciliatory. And he said, it's okay to have friends of uh, Christians and Jews. And then he became, as he gained more and more political power, he became more and more militant. And then he contradicted himself. And he talked about, you know, killing these people that are Jews and Christians because they're infidels. So what happened here? Well, another verse in there, he says, well, you know, uh, we gave one revelation. And then uh, later on, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, our God Allah gave us a better revelation that contradicted the prior revelation. So in other words, the God of Islam, you know, is fickle. He changes his mind constantly. We'll talk about that next week. The immutability. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God gives you the straight story. And he doesn't contradict himself. We've got to get through that through our heads. God is going to give us the straight story here in his word. Let God be true and every man a liar. And we saw that means every person lies. You know, the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, you know, is almost, is universally uh, broken. You know, if anyone, again, if anyone uh, claims that they're not a, sir, a sinner, you know, well, I'm a good person. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. You know, I never steal. I never uh, uh, commit adultery on my wife or, you know, engage in any of this. And uh, I don't take uh, the Lord's name in vain. And they'll go down through that. Then you, you ask them that very question. You know, have you ever told a lie? Uh, well, you see, I, I told them a little white lie, maybe something like that. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's no such thing as a white lie. Okay? And all lies originate with the devil. And we just read, there is no truth in the devil, in him, the devil. When the devil speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, the devil is not only the master of not only lies, but of partial truths. First temptation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read that uh, this Wednesday. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to, uh, to the woman, Has God indeed... Look at that one verse, uh, word right there. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Look at it in, indeed there. Did God say that? Did he really say that? So the very first temptation was not for the woman to partake of the forbidden fruit. The first temptation the devil threw at her was to doubt the word of God. Amen? And, you know, the devil is a master at uh, partial truths. Get a little bit political one more time. You know, a month before the 
current election came. The story broke about the Hunter Biden laptop. Right? And what was on the Hunter Biden laptop? It revealed that the uh, man that was eventually elected president was compromised. And he was taking bribery. And he was taking money from our worst enemy, the country that is our worst enemy. And so what happened was these people in the intelligence community who had had the Hunter Biden laptop in their possession for a full year before. They all got together and they produced this little written letter and said, the Hunter Biden laptop has all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. Now, you notice the way they worded that. They said it has all, and, and later on, you know, they, they had to admit that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. They had to admit that. But they said, oh, we didn't say that it was Russian disinformation. We said it had all the earmarks. It was done for the express purpose of what? Misleading the American public. So they would ignore it. And something like, you know, I've, I've heard of polls that say that 15% of the people that voted for the current president said they would not have voted for it if they had known that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. And so we put a man into office that compromised. He let the balloon fly across America taking pictures of our, our most sensitive secrets, you know, our nuclear capabilities and finally shoots it down after it's already gone across. And everything, it seems like, that he has done while in office has benefited our enemies and weakened America. So you don't think that, that what was revealed on that laptop was key? Partial truth. And actually, you know, what, what is earmarks of Russian disinformation? What does that even mean, you know, when you think about it? But people just hear that. They hear Russian disinformation. Oh, it's Russian disinformation. It was done the way that they worded that letter was for the express purpose of misleading the American people. And this is what you need to avoid, too. Don't try to mislead people. Tell them the truth. Tell them what is real. Now, the only time that it's permissible for us as Christians to tell a lie is to uh, protect the greater good. And you've got a couple of examples of that in Scripture, the story of the uh, uh, midwives that told, lied to Pharaoh because Pharaoh was going to kill all of the male children. And they, told, they said, uh, you know, that the... Uh, uh, Hebrew women were more virile than uh, the Egyptians, you know, and they uh, gave birth before the midwives even got there. And it says that God, uh, you know, blessed the midwives because of that. And then, of course, you got the story of uh, Rahab the harlot, you know, and how she lied about to, after hiding the, uh, uh, the spies. And finally, an example more recent 
You know, you had occasions when the Nazis were killing all of the Jews in a number of Christian households, such as uh, uh, Corrie ten Boom. They hid the Jews, and they come knocking on the door. Are you hiding any Jews here? Oh, no, no, we don't have them. So, you know, in that case, you know, these lies were told in order to protect human life. And so that's the only time that I can think of that uh, telling a lie is permissible. Then Satan said, you know, after he misled Eve there in the garden, then he said, you know, uh, verse 4 of uh, Genesis chapter uh, 1, he said, you will not surely die. So he outright contradicted what God, you know, he, after misleading her, then he uh, came with an outright uh, contradiction of what God had said. Now, I want you to keep this in mind, brothers and sisters, because you know who the easiest person in the world for you to fool? Yourself. Amen? Remember what John chapter 1, you know, remember I told you it alternated between light and dark, dark first John chapter 1, light and darkness. I'm, I just... Uh, want to focus on the darkness here, what he specifically says. And that's found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 6, 8, and 10. If we say we have fellowship with him and essentially continue to walk in darkness, we lie and do not, do, do not practice the truth. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So we not only lie to ourselves if we say we don't have sin, what do we do? We make God out to be a liar. You make God out to be a liar, you're on dangerous ground. And furthermore, uh, Satan's outright lie to Eve in the Garden of Eden, you shall be like God. In other words, you can be your own boss, Eve. You don't have to have God bossing you around. Well, he doesn't want to boss you around anyway. He wants to have fellowship with you. You can be the master of your own soul, Eve. You can be in control of your life. And God will not condemn you. He won't condemn you if you're just basically a good person. You know, how many people believe that? They don't have to have God to be the ruler of their life. Oh, I'm just a good person. You know, God's not going to send me to hell. And how many people have bought this lie throughout the ages? And this mentality is the basis of all the world religions. Even Christianity in its religious forms. So many people, Roman Catholics, for example. I knew a, uh, 
a young man that I used to work with. And this guy was living like the devil. He was involved in uh, drugs and things like that. But, oh, he was adamant. I was, you know, baptized as an infant, you know. So I'm saved. I'm going to heaven because I was baptized as an infant. And how many people, you know, I'm sure Marlene is running into people like that over there in Italy. that think that because they were baptized as infants, you know, they've got it made. Okay. The problem is they're sold out to a lie. And, you know, this, I'm, the final scripture I'm going to share with you uh, uh, today is this. The world system is sold out to a lie, and we read about this in Romans chapter 1. The latter part of uh, Romans chapter 1 describes the stages of degradation of the world system uh, apart from God. And there are three stages. Number one, idolatry. Number two, all forms of sexual immorality. And number three, they're given over to what the King James Version calls a reprobate mind. And I, I was reading through that. I was just amazed at how much the belief in the lies of the Satan plays a role in this happening. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress, hold down the truth in unrighteousness. That's what these people do. They believe the lie and they try to suppress, they try to hold it down. Because although, verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, and were thank, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They chose to walk in darkness rather than the light. Verse 22 Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. People walk around today saying that men can get pregnant, that you can change your, vent, the, your gender. They're fools. Amen. They profess to be wise. Oh, we didn't know this before. We didn't know that men could become pregnant. We didn't know that before. Now we know. They became fools. And it's a fool that takes that kind of viewpoint. Verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And finally verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to, now this the King, New King James Version, a debased mind. The King James Version says a reprobate mind, or 
depraved mind, completely. You know, you know, I was talking to you about David Wilkerson, what he said about that. A reprobate mind is what? A, a mind that is totally sold out to a lie. And you can't get through to these people. And it's only if they will accept the light of God's word in their life that they stop being fools and they truly obtain true wisdom. Okay. Last thing, and then I'm done. Okay, what you must do. Number one, you have to determine once and for all you are going to shun the lies of the world. And the, the author of these lies of the world is Satan himself. And the world system, which is based on the lies of Satan, the enemy of God, and your enemy too. You know, Satan will never give you the complete story. You know, you do something, you, you sin or something like that. You know, it, it, it's this way Satan operates as he entices you to do the evil, and then he condemns you afterward. But he doesn't give you the full story. The full story is even if you slipped and fell in this particular sin, God still loves you. God cannot stop loving you. And he will forgive you if you confess it to him. Amen? Amen. That's what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, the devil condemns you, but he doesn't give you the full story. And that's why if you want the full story, get into the Word of God. Number two, you decide once and for all, you are not going to walk in darkness, but you are going to be a child of the light. You're going to allow the light of God's world to illuminate your being. Amen? You allow the light of God's world to illuminate you, exposing that's what the light is there for. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Let the light of God's truth Illuminate your being, exposing your sin so you can repent of it and become clean before God. And number four, I'm sorry, number three, last one. As a child of light, you determine you are going to be a person of integrity. Honest in all of your dealings. Speaking only truth to men. And you will be honest. First with yourself, and then to others. And you decide, my word is my bond. I'm going to be honest in my dealings with all people. That's my integrity. Your integrity is so important. Amen? Do you want to be a person of integrity? Choose to follow the light and to speak words that are true. Words that are real. Give people the full story. Amen. Okay.
So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I don't see anybody new here. Everybody's saved as far as I can see. But this is something that you need to pray with me because I'm going to be praying that we will be these people of integrity. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word that you have spoken to us. You spoke it to me first, and Lord, I've conveyed it to your people. And Lord, help us to make that decision once and for all. That we are going to follow your light. Lord, let your light shine to the very core of our beings now, Lord. And illuminate us and dispel any lies that the enemy has put into our hearts. Lord, your uh, word brings life. And the lies of the enemy bring forth death. And help us to determine that we are going to listen to you, Lord, and not listen to the lies of the enemy. And the corollary to that is if we are going to be these children of the light, Lord, that we are going to uh, speak the words that are true, that are real, Lord God, and not have any kind of falsehood, not allow any kind of falsehood to uh, rule over our hearts and minds, Lord. And thank you, Lord, uh, for listening to this prayer, Lord, as we pray it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Everybody agree? Okay. Giving you the uh, God's word, you know. You know, I, I once had, uh, when I was an associate pastor and occasionally uh, uh, preached at this church, a lady came up to me afterwards and he, she said, uh, you know, Cliff, I really like it when you uh, speak. He said, you speak with authority. And I would have to agree. I do speak with authority. But I, my authority does not rest upon me, Clifford Smart, my authority rests on what? The Word. the Word of God. And that's what I've told you. If ever you feel like I'm not preaching in accordance with the Word, you have my permission to come up and challenge me. Because I want to speak the truth. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. You know, remember what I've been trying to preach in these... Uh, Messages on the attributes of God. Talked about God as love, and we need to be people of love. God wants us to be like Him. Speak on the holiness of God. God wants us to be holy people. Amen? Yeah. God wants us to be just. He 